Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We are um, going to be reading out of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 2. And um, I'm just going to be reading verses 17 to 20. Um, They're on the screen and you can follow along. It says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. All right, guys, we're in our series, our, our New Year's series called Discover. And so we're talking about vision this whole month. And so last, last week we started off with Nehemiah chapter 1 and went through identity in Christ because that's, that's our vision statement, right? So, and, and our mission statement, which, which we have up here. And, and uh, in, our, in our mission statement, guys, it's, or both of them, it's a particular ordering, right? It's discovering identity in Christ. Your identity needs to be set on Christ Jesus first before you even go to your destiny in Christ. Uh, now, that's optimal. Now, in real life, we're kind of going through, through both at the same time and figuring out, right? But... but your identity in Christ should be firm on Christ Jesus uh, before you even consider living out your purpose in Christ. Now, again, both of these things are the same for each of us. Your identity in Christ is the exact same as the person sitting next to you. And your destiny is the exact same as the person sitting next to you. Right? And then next week we're going to talk about influencing our city and the world. And that's where your gifts, your passions, your talents, your vocation, your, your background, ethnic family, national, all, all those things come into play in, in how you influence. But today we're talking about destiny in Christ. And, and so that's just a kind of fancy word for purpose, right? What is, what is my purpose? Which a lot of us just wonder, like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? Even if you don't believe in God this morning, it's, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I here for? Right? Those are just existential human questions that anybody across any any uh, uh, stream of life is going to say, is going to ask, is going to wonder, right? And, and for a lot of you in here this morning, that may have been what brought you to Jesus, right? That's Missy's story. That's what brought her to Jesus, is, is those questions like, this has to mean something more than what I see right in front of my eyes. There has to be something else. And so that's what we're talking about this morning is, is destiny. Uh, we were in the States a couple weeks ago, and... Um, 
And I got a, well, so let me give you some backstory. Um, growing up, I was in love with this particular candy. It's called a Cookies and Cream Twix. And I got one right here. Anybody ever heard of it? So when I was 15, they vanished. Like, it was like Cookies and Cream Twix. Yeah. It was like Twix rapture happened. Like, like I can remember the last Cookies and Cream Twix I ever ate. Okay, I was 15, 16 years old. It was at this convenience store, Wilmington, North Carolina. I was taking driver's ed, and I walked into this like, gas station convenience store, and they had them, and that was the last time I ever had one in my life. Like, yeah. And, and guys, that was, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell you how long ago that was, but for the past almost 20 years, I've been searching for cookies and cream Twix. Like, everywhere, and I'm not kidding. Like every gas station I go into, every convenience store, I look, I look at the candy to see if there's a cookies and cream Twix. It's almost become automatic. Like I walk in, my eyes just go there. Nope, keep on walking. Um, and everywhere I go around the world, guys, but in the last 20 years, I've been to over 40 countries. Every single country, I've looked for cookies and cream Twix. Because <laughs> sometimes they discontinue things here and they still have them in Europe, right? Or, or wherever. So I've looked in every single place for cookies and cream Twix. Just a few weeks ago, guess what we found? Misty was walking through the store because I've, she's been, her eyes have been trained too. <laughs> she doesn't know what it tastes like until now. Like she, she, had, she had one. And what's funny is uh, Adam and Missy, Emerson even, they make fun of me for... Um, for whenever, because <laughs> a lot of times when I describe a, a meal that I ate, I'll say, man, this is like the best <laughs> fill in the blank ever. This is like the best burger I've ever had. You know, I had this steak the other day, and it was the best steak I've ever had. Or, or, and so every time I, I, I start telling them a story, they're like, wait, was it the best ever? <laughs> and I'm like, the thing is, though, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Like, I actually think that at that point in my life, that was the best whatever I ever had. Like, I actually believe that. Like, I'm not just saying, what's that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Kelly. You and me. Because, uh, like, because it's like I'm having it right now, right? And th so when I got this cooking, cookies and cream Twix, I opened it up, I ate it, and I was like, Oh, man, this is not anything like I remember it being. <laughs> not anything. This isn't like what I thought it was going to be at all. <laughs> I would still eat it right now because of the 10-day fast. <laughs> I'm like, wouldn't eat it right now. Uh, but isn't that how it is, guys? Isn't that how life is sometimes? You, you experience something, you're like, Oh, that's not how I remember being. Or, or I wish it was like that time. Or I got this before, or I did this before, and it wasn't the same. And we can, we can get stuck in that. We can get stuck in thinking, oh, man, I remember how good Cookies and Cream Twix was. Without realizing in the present day, you're having the best meal you've ever had in your life. 
Guys, think about that perspective. This is the perspective I want us to have on destiny this morning. Like, and I'm serious. I actually believe that's the best. Like, and it's not for every meal, but when I say it's the best ever, I think it's the best ever. Like, that means your life gets better and better every day. Wouldn't you rather have the best meal ever than always be thinking, oh, I wish it was that meal over there, or I wish it was like that? Our perspective on who Jesus is needs to be, and I'm experiencing Jesus better than I ever have today. When you read the word, it's, man, this is the best ever. I've read Nehemiah 2 a bunch of times. When I read it this week, I was like, this is the best time I've ever read it. Now, that's because, why wasn't this the same for me? Now, it's still good, don't get me wrong. If you want to try it after service, come and we can divide it up into 150 pieces. <laughs> uh, I'll take a nibble. Uh, but seriously, do you want to try it? I, our friends Nathan and Diane bought me a box of them, <laughs> like 50 of them. So you can try it. So I got a bunch of them. Um, uh, but that, that perspective is key, guys. Uh, to, to grow in, in our destiny in Christ, we want to we say, now following Jesus today is the best it's ever been. It's the best it's ever been. But a lot of us say, oh, well, man, my life used to be good in Jesus back then. Or I wish I could experience Jesus like that. At that one time when I experienced the power of the Spirit, I wish it was more like that. And you can waste your life searching for that experience or that thing that you had in the past and miss out on the present. Guys, we're not called to, and check this out, okay. You guys, most of you guys know, I love the book, The Alchemist. If you have not read that book, read it. It will, like, it's the best book ever, besides the Bible. Um, like, actually, it's, it's pretty, it's probably, guys, I read a lot of books, okay? And, and a lot of, ask anyone who's close to me, I read a, and, and I read a, lot, a big, wide berth of books, like uh, different genres and stuff, so big thing, and it's in my top five of all time, of all books that I've read. And I read books from like BC days to all the way now, like top five books, so good. Here's a quote from it. Paolo Coelho says this in The Alchemist. He says, I don't live in either my past or my future. I'm interested only in the present. If you can concentrate always on the present, you'll be a happy man. Life will be a party for you, a grand festival, because life is the moment we're living now. Live life now. That's the moment we're living now, right? And the key here is, you're like, okay, wait a second. He says, don't live in it. It's not that the past doesn't inform your present. It's not that the past doesn't make you who you are today, but don't live in it. You can't be consumed by what has happened to you. You gotta let it inform how you live right now, and you can't be consumed with what might happen to you. You gotta live in right now. Now guys, if you know me too, I plan for the future. I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago, I can't remember who I shared this with this week, and, and, and uh, I was sharing with them about something three years from now. And they're like, whoa, you have your life planned for three years from now? And in my mind, I was thinking, I got the four, next 40 years planned in my life. Like, guys, I, I'm strategic, I plan for the future. Like, so I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying, 
Let, let those things inform you to live right now, and don't let those things um, shackle you right now. And Nehemiah right now, the reason he's sad at the this pastor, the reason he's sad is because he knows his destiny, but he doesn't know how to live it out. So let's check, let's check out how he starts to do that. Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to go through the whole chapter as quickly as we can. Um, Missy took up all the time this morning, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine. Remember, Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king, which means that he tastes the wine, or whatever's in the cup, before he gives it to the king, just in case someone is trying to poison the king. Right? So he's one of the most trusted people in the king's court. He says, now, I had not been sad in his presence. Which, remember, his role, that's a bad thing. If he comes in sad, he needs to be cheerful. Because the king could look into it and say, okay, what's going on here? Uh, verse 2, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Nehemiah, and then it says, then I was very much afraid. Because fear may be the number one tool of the enemy that prevents you from living out your destiny in Christ, your purpose in Christ. Or if you're fearful of, the, of, of what's uncertain. You're fearful of what someone's going to say. You're fearful of what someone's going to think. You're fearful of repercussions. You're fearful of losing your job. You're fearful of losing friends. You're fearful of losing family. You're fearful of what you might have to give up for what might be better in the future, but you have what you have now, and you don't want to give that up. And, and so because of that fear, guess what you are? Stuck. Inactive. You're not moving. You're just stationary, and you're stagnant and you're wasting away, and you're sad, and you're mourning, and that's where Nehemiah is. He knows his purpose in Christ. He knows his destiny. He knows what he's supposed to do. He knows that he's supposed to be a part of making Israel a, a, a light uh, to the nations and Jerusalem the dwelling place for God. He knows he's supposed to be a part of that. That's all of the Old Testament up to this point. He knows that's what he's supposed to do as a Jewish follower of God. He knows that. And he's sad because he's not doing it. Guys, you can know your destiny and still not live it out. And that's what's happening here. And he's stuck. He's like, I'm cupbearer to the king. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm stuck. I'm sad. And in verse 3 it says, Nehemiah speaking, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city of the place, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Guys, it's like he he he's got this pent up emotion and he just bursts out on the king. He's like, "Why shouldn't I be sad? Everything that I believe in, everything that uh, that I'm supposed to be doing, is destroyed by fire." And for the first time. And this is step one to living out your destiny. I'm going to give you five steps this morning. Step one is own it. And for the first time, he owns it. He owns his destiny. 
Guys, your destiny as a follower of Jesus is simple. It's simple. If, you're, if you want to know what your purpose in life is as a follower of Jesus right now, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's really simple. You are to be a disciple maker. That's it. You're to make disciples. You're to make other people look more like Jesus. You're a disciple maker. Say that to the person sitting next to you. You are a disciple maker. You just, (laughs) nice. Or the person sitting at this, yeah, yeah. You're a disciple maker, you're a disciple maker. Like, you're declaring the great commission over each other, right? And if you're not a follower of Jesus in here this morning, guys, I believe you're never going to be satisfied in this life until you realize your identity and destiny in Christ. And so this is even true of you this morning if you're not a follower of Jesus. And it may not be true for you now, but like I said, I believe that until you make that commitment to follow Jesus, you'll never fully be satisfied. You'll always be searching for this purpose because we were designed for this purpose. You know what else you are? You're a peacemaker. Say that to somebody. You're a peacemaker. (laughs) Guys, you make peace in this world. Adam said it earlier, right? We got broken strings. We got tea spilled. We got broken people. We got a broken world. We got planes being shot down. We got countries going to war with each other. Uh, Guys, I, I am around the world all the time. And guys, Canada is so unique in the world. I don't know how, how, how like, you, we should all feel so privileged to live in a city, in a country like this, because everywhere else, around, and, and this, we got a brokenness here, but war-torn countries are the norm around the world. They're not the exception. Persecution and people dying for the faith, faith is the norm around the world. It's not the exception. This happens every day, and we have it so good here. And when we're called to make peace, you're a peacemaker. You're a son of God. Do you know you are, a, you are designed to be a father and a mother of nations? I told our, um, our BOG leaders yesterday, I, um, we prayed that over them. We said, as you realize this, you have the ability to change a generation by, by bringing one person to faith in Christ Jesus and change an entire generation of, of, of people. You can, you're a nation builder. You gotta own that destiny. You have to own it, like that is yours in Christ. You're a disciple maker after Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And now it's been given to you because you are in me. Ah. Oh. Why aren't you guys cheering for that? Like, guys, that should take you out in the world and then change it. And Jesus does that with 12 people who say yes to that. Only 12. We have around 150 sitting in here this morning. Imagine what you'd do in our city with 150 people who say yes to that. It's simple. Your destiny is simple. The reason you're discontent right now, the reason you're, you have some angst, the reason you don't know what you're doing is because you don't know how to live it out. Step one, own it. Own that that is your destiny. Not your job, 
Like, like Kyle said, you can have your career anywhere. You can get that job anywhere. That's not your destiny. That may be how you influence. It also may not be how you influence. Um, we'll talk about that next week. But it may be how you influence. God may have placed you there. But that's not your destiny. Your spouse, your kids, they are not your destiny. They may be how you influence. They may not be right now. Right? Like, do you guys understand how important getting your destiny right is? And the reason you experience the angst and, and all this is because you're not actually owning what your true destiny is. So Nehemiah is going through that right now, and he's trying to figure that out. But he finally owns it in verse 3. And then, he's, and then the king says to him in verse 4, what are you requesting? So, I, so Nehemiah says, I pray to the God of heaven. It's almost like he bursts out on the king. The king's like, so what are you asking of me? And Nehemiah's like, oh, I didn't expect you to ask me that. Uh, hold on a second. Hey, God, what am I supposed to ask him? <laughs> what am I supposed to request him? And, it, and it's like he has this aside with God, and he, and he prays. And that's step two, ask God about it. Just ask God about it. Guys, uh, the majority of things in my life that, I've res- that, that are, are good things, I have because I asked for them. And when I say good things, I don't mean, I don't mean God, give me this, this uh, parking space because there's no parking. <laughs> or I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean, God, let me be safe on this trip. Or give me travel mercies. That's a regular prayer. Or, or God, bless this food to the nourishment I brought it. Like, what I mean is, God, I lack in, the, in wisdom. I need your wisdom if I'm going to lead people. God, I lack in mercy, which we may have noticed right now. I lacked in the gift of mercy. Please give me mercy. I lack in the shepherding gift. Guys, I'm not a natural pastor and shepherd. Supernatural, however you want to think about that. Um, I've been praying for it for seven years. So those of you guys who encourage me and say, say oh, well, you, you do this so well, like, I had to ask for it. I had to work at it. And I still do, which is why sometimes you're like, yeah, you're not a very good pastor or shepherd. <laughs> uh, like, uh, like, most of the things I, I have, I ask God for. Most of, or yeah, the vast majority of the spiritual gifts that I operate in, I've prayed for for years. Because you have to ask. You know what Jesus says in the Gospels? Who knows what he says in the Gospels about asking? Yeah, yeah. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Say that to your neighbor. Ask and you shall receive. Guys. Guys, yes, ask and you shall receive. Do you guys know, in this practice here, you are preaching scripture to each other. You're exhorting one another to live like Jesus says to live. You're a peacemaker, you're a disciple maker. Ask and you shall receive. Remember that this week. I'm hopefully putting that in your mind this week so that when you come along something you, and something's hard, you say, oh yeah, I should just ask God. I'm gonna do what Nehemiah did. I didn't know the answer to this. Nehemiah had no idea how to answer that question. He's like... One second. Uh, God, what, how should I, how should I answer this? And then he went for it, right? So let's see how he does it. So uh, own it, step one. Step two, ask about it. 
Step three is, is coming up. Verse five, act on it. Step three, act on it. Verse five, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, so now he's going to make his request. He's acting on it, right? If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, and here's him acting more on it. Before we go into that in verse 7, I tell our leaders all the time, this is a cheesy phrase I made up, but hopefully it'll help you remember it. Um, that, uh, because, guys, we can have a lot of great ideas. Nehemiah can still know his destiny. He can know that he's supposed to live it out. But how is he going to live it out? That's the question. How does he act on it? Right? So you can have a lot of good ideas and still not execute. Right? And just still not execute. And most people in life, a lot of followers of Jesus in life that I know, have issues executing. They have a lot of great ideas. They don't do a whole lot of things. Everybody loves talking about living on mission for Jesus. Everybody loves going to the conferences. Everyone loves being part of that organization. Everyone loves, loves reading books on it and blogs on it and even praying about it. But how many people actually do it? Right? you got to execute. And so I say this to our leaders. I say, ask how until you get to an action step for right now. Ask how until you get to an action step for right now. Right? So you can say this year, a lot of you guys probably want to change your life this year. It's the new year. It's 2020, new decade. You're like, yes, I'm going to change this about my life. I'm going to change that. And I hope you do. Guys, don't take New Year's. New Year's are pretty arbitrary, but use a new year to change for God. Amen? Like, transform your life for God. Because odds are, we're not where we should be. Right? There's, there's like 10 big things I want to change in my life this year. Because I'm nowhere near where I should be. And I can tell you those at another time. But uh, let, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds. How? Well, I'm going to go to the gym. How? Well, I got to get a gym membership. Well, how? Well, I got to call the gym. How? I'm going to pick up my phone right now and dial the number. That's right now. I'm, like, you can even get to, I'm going to call the gym and still not do it. You're still not close enough to the action step for right now. How many, how many times do you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to text that person, and then you don't do it? I'm going to send that person a word of encouragement over text. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Because you didn't pull your phone out. Like, that's the action step for right now. Do you get what I'm saying? So Nehemiah is doing that. He's taking action right now. And if we want to be people of action, you've got to ask how in order to get to right now. Ooh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, that's sort of it. I love the things I say. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, uh, add that to number 11 on my list. Be less, uh, yeah, things I want to change this year. Be less into myself. <laughs> uh, verse 7. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, 
Let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And, <laughs> which this is funny, guys, he keeps on asking. You know, that, the, the, um, that passage I referenced in the Gospels where Jesus says, ask, uh, seek, and knock, those verbs in the Greek are in the present tense, which means it's a continual asking. So ask and ask again and keep on asking and keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Okay, don't give up. Nehemiah does this. <laughs> he says, give me these letters of the governors and, in verse 8, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force. Then he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple. Oh, and, and for the wall of the city. Uh, yeah, one more thing. And for the house that I shall occupy. And I'm like, yeah. Like, this is so bold, right? He's like, yeah, I need all these things. So he's like, hey, give me these. Oh, yeah, and then this. And oh, yeah, how, how about that? And, and I need a place to live. So let, let's, let's go with that, too. Um, and guess what happened? The king granted what he asked. <laughs> I love being in a situation where you ask and you get it and you're left wondering, should I have asked for more? <laughs> right? That's way better than being in the situation where, where you asked and you didn't get anything, right? Um, that's probably what Nehemiah is thinking right now. He's like, oh, I should have asked for more than that. Um, but he says, I, it was granted to me because, or for, the good hand of my God was upon me. And he says this a couple times in this, in, this, in this chapter. He says, my God, my God. He's my God, and I am part of his people. This is covenant language here. You can trace all through the Hebrew scriptures. This is my God. Oh. Okay, and then verses 9 through 16, he, he um, does more acting. He, he acts on it some more. Um, and he goes to Jerusalem in verse 11, and he, and he inspects the walls, and he goes and sees that, yeah, this is pretty desolate. Uh, it's all destroyed and all these things. <clears throat> and this is all him, him acting on it through verse 16. And then verse 17 comes step four. So own it, whatever number two was. <laughs> ask, God, ask God about it. <laughs> three, act on it. And four is share it. Share it. You should believe in your destiny enough to share it. He does that here. He says, you see the trouble. He's saying this to them, and them is the officials, the Jews, the priests, the nobles who are in verse 16. He says to them, you see the trouble we're in now, how Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates are burned. He could add in that you guys are in great trouble and shame and distress. That's from chapter 1, right? And he says, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. He's like, guys, we are in shame and trouble and derision. They're making fun of us. We're supposed to be light to the nations and look at us. We're just comfortable here in this desolation. And we're nobody. And he says, we are to build this wall so we may no longer suffer derision. He's sharing it with them. And he, tell, and he told them, verse 18, the hand of my God had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. 
Let us rise up and let's get out of our seats. Let's get off of our butts and do something in this world. Rise up and build. Oh, man. So good, right? Right? Hey, this passage is just, I mean, he just calls them to action. He shares it with them. Because you are the vessel of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the hope and savior of this world, who is the light going into the darkness for this world. You are to share Jesus with everybody. And guys, if you believe in your destiny, if you've owned it enough, then you will share it. And guys, belief isn't enough. Belief is not enough. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. They tremble. They're scared. They're frightened. They flee from Jesus. You got to be a follower. You got to act on it. Then you got to share it. That's what a follower of Jesus is. Guys, and if you believe in Jesus enough, then you'll follow him and you'll share him. That's just how it works. Paul says your life is hidden in Christ in Colossians 3. He says your life is Christ. In Ephesians 4, 5, Ephesians 5, he says, he says, you were once darkness, now you are light. You're not just in the light. You're not just holding a light. You have been taken out of darkness where you were dark, and now you are light. So whenever you walk into a room, the light of Christ shines in it. At your work, at your home, in this building. Guys, this isn't a holy place. We make it holy. The Spirit of God in us makes it that way. That's the truth you have everywhere you go because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when I say you are, I'm talking about the church, right? And you are the church wherever you are. Ah, you take that into your workplace. You take that into your your families. You take that into your sports clubs. You take that into your, your, your school, your classrooms, your professors, all those things. Remember that. Share it. But, verse 19, but, it's not good. Uh, step five. You got to persevere in it. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be times where you're like, this isn't worth it. You're going to say, oh, I want to quit. You're going to say, I don't know if I should, I should do this. You're going to say, uh, I don't know about this right now. You have to persevere in it. And some of you guys, you've gotten to step four, but you're not doing step five. And you're still going to experience that angst, that discontent, all that. Because you had to persevere in it, guys. You have to. And he says here, but when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite servant, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us. They heard our plans. We, were, we strengthened our hands for the good work. We were rising up, we were building, they heard of it, and they made fun of us. They mocked us, and they jeered us, and they, they despised us. They hated us. And they say, what is this thing you're doing? You're rebelling against the king? And then I reply to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise 
and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Guys, I was uh, talking to, we had our collective this week, and it was just a really awesome time of prayer and worship and, and declaring things over our, our church. And Isaiah came up to me afterwards. Um, I didn't ask if I could share this, but I'm sure it's okay, because um, I know you. Um, he's struggling with this particular sin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. That's not what you thought it was, was it? No, no, it's not that. Um, he came up to me afterwards, and, and, and he was like, uh, he, was just, he was just like telling me some things he was learning about the fast and through the fasting, and, and, he, and, and then some things he, he referenced that we've talked about here at the church uh, last Sunday and then, and then previous Sundays, and, uh, and, and he said uh, one of the words he's getting for, for our church and that, and that he's hearing, and, and it was almost like he's like, ah, uh, hesitating to say it, but he, he was like, it's that word dangerous. And I was like, oh, man that affirms so much for me um, and where God is calling us. Because guys, we're not safe. We're a bold community. And I told you guys last week that that story in the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Where, where um, uh, Mr. Beavers, they find out he's a, Aslan's a lion and, Mr., and one of the girls says, uh, is, is he safe? And, and Mr. Beavers laughs and he's like, no. He's not safe, but he's good. He's good, but he's dangerous. He's a lion. He's wild, guys. He's not this like tame, baby sheep petting Renaissance guy. Hey, he's, he's a wild man. And he does what he wants. And we go wherever he wants us to go. And we follow that destiny wherever it takes us. And there's no black and white with Jesus. There's either you're in or you're out. But he says if you're in, you're worthy. You're worthy of the kingdom. You're a co-heir with Christ. You have every spiritual blessing offered to you. All authority has been given to you. You're a disciple maker. You're a nation builder. You're a peacemaker. That is your destiny in Christ Jesus. And he lived it out for us. Own that today. As own that. Act on it. Pray into it. Ask God about it. Share it. Persevere in it. Matthew 16 says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Do you believe that? Ed Leo told me once, gates don't move. We do. We do. We're the church. And we're on the move because Jesus is on the move. And this last verse says here, Nehemiah declares, I want to declare over us, the God of heaven will make us prosper. We are his servants, and we will arise and build. And the enemy, you have no portion or right or claim in Trinity Life Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you. Ah, thank you. I don't even know what else to say. Thank you. We love you. I'm nothing without you. And this church is only, it it only is what it is because you made it so. And so we follow you and we lay our lives down for you. And so do your work in our hearts and transform us this morning by the power of your spirit. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.